looking for the king of podcasts, you're in the wrong channel. Looking for good ideas for life, you are far from good hands. If you think the listener is always right, you are far from the right place. Hosted by Northeasterner by birth, a rebel by choice. If you want a host that floats between love and madness, then play on and listen to Crazy Train Radio. What up, Crazy Train Radio? You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! I love scotch. I love scotch. Scotch is got scotch. Here it goes down. Down into my belly. Mm-mm-mm. Don't mess with me, I'm one crazy mofo. Hey, I know we have a lot of horror fans that listen to our shows, and I know things have been tough for everybody across the board these past six or seven months with what's been going on in the real world, but I wanted to make a suggestion to you horror fans, because I know part of the normal routine year in and year out is to attend different conventions to meet some of your favorite horror stars. However, none of us have been able to do that because of obvious reasons. But I do have a little suggestion for you. SignatureHorror.com Now, some may ask, what is that? Well, they obtain autographs for the fans from some of their favorite stars, from some of their favorite franchises. Whether it be the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Friday the 13th, Nightmare on Elm Street, and many more. They have different options such as, besides getting their autographs, you can do live Zoom calls with your favorite stars. You can do personalized videos for people, greetings of some sort. They just have many options. So, if you're looking for to spend some money that you may have spent at conventions, check them out and see the options they have. SignatureHorror.com That's right, SignatureHorror.com
Not all football helmets are created equal. Zenith, the industry leader in protective technology, is the only helmet in the game with adaptive head protection featuring a shock suspension system that can move independently from the helmet shell. Headquartered and developed in Detroit, Zenith is committed to player safety and revolutionary innovation. Zenith is proud to protect athletes at every level from peewee to the pros. Learn more about the Zenith difference at zenith.com. That's X-E-N-I-T-H.com. Hi, this is Michael Berryman, and you're listening to Crazy Train Radio. Woo-hoo! Hey folks, it's your least favorite host in a podcast world, your croc, Jonathan Steele. And boy, do we have a good one for you today. For over 40 years, this man has been throwing audiences on the screen with his evil, insane ways. His unusual physical appearance has allowed this man to make a career of portraying characters in horror movies and B-movies. However, it needs to be said that this man embraces who he is by giving the audience a delight simply by letting the camera catch us beautifully different and wonderful unique features however as well this man is also known for being a strong advocate for environmental protection and rumor has it and he can tell us whether this is true or not he has lived on a wolf sanctuary for over 10 years this man michael berryman michael how are you doing i'm doing very well uh good to see your uh, safe and secure. We're doing the same here in Florida. Um, yeah, nice intro. Thank you. Uh, I just try to make the, uh, the characters that I play. Uh, there are certain areas that um, I will not accept employment. You know, there's certain things that I will not do. Uh, aside from that, if I play a bad guy, I try to, you know, you know play it, play it uh, strong enough so the hero has a chance to be uh, heroic and, you know, rise to the occasion beyond their ex, uh, previously expected uh, uh, means. Uh, yes, I, I uh, did live in a wolf sanctuary for a couple of years. It was a rescue in California, in Southern California, in the mountains where the mountains meet the desert. And I've, I've been associated with them for, for many decades, you know, I keep in touch with them. And um, we try to uh, inform people, educate people that exotic animals are not toys, they're not pets, they need to be left alone in the wilds is, is the best way to respect them. Um, so that's kind of how that, that played out. We, um, the people at the uh, Wolf Sanctuary also were, were involved in other charities, for instance, uh, Navajo Reservation, there's a, um, a celebration every year called the Stars of the Desert, which is the children as celebrities come out and um, honor the kids' achievements for the years. One of the best things about being you know, famous or a celebrity is the ability to be invited and get involved in um, humanitarian and charitable organizations because uh, um, <laughs> to, to just stay in the narrow uh, alleyway of uh, 
ego gratification gets uh, it gets pretty tiresome. <laughs> yeah, but I know, like you said, there you are also involved with several other organizations, and I know you do a lot of work with some school districts near you as far as bullying things like that as well. So besides the wolf sectionary you mentioned and confirmed and this uh, work with the bullying, is there something in particular you really appreciate working with charity wise? Oh, sure. Um, um, over the, you know, for the last 30, 35 years or, or more, uh, some of the different organizations were, uh, um, there was an organization called About Face, which is a, a, a spinoff of uh, the um, president's, uh, I think it was, uh, um, well, before Bush, when, when it got started. Uh, right, the, president, the President's Council on, uh, uh, when the uh, Americans with Disabilities Act was being formulated, uh, that's when I uh, was approached by uh, Karen Christie in uh, Palmdale, California, and uh, every jurisdiction had representation that, um, you know, uh, people in the uh, House of Representatives, et cetera, mayor's offices and governor's offices, to see what the needs were at the local level and carry that information up to the national level so they could legislate a correct version of protection for the Americans with disabilities. And that's when you started to see more ramps, uh, uh, the, the obvious, uh, um, um, I want to, well, I could say generous, but it's, it's the things we should be doing anyway, uh, just to respect our, our, our fellow brothers and sisters. And you, you, know, you might not have a disability that's obvious until <laughs> um, you start speaking perhaps, but that's a joke. Um, the, uh, I get it. <laughs> um, the idea is that we can, we can all work together. We're all in this together. So that's kind of how uh, the philosophical aspect uh, got going. Uh, another group was uh, when I was doing the, 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 let's see, was the, uh, the Crow with Brandon Lee. I met Paul Newman. They were filming Hudsucker Proxy at the Parloco Studios in um, North Carolina. And Paul uh, turned me on to uh, um, Dr. Paul Wharton, uh, who uh, worked with um, uh, the Cleft Palate Foundation out of uh, St. Petersburg, Florida. And through the Hole in the Wall gang, which was uh, General Schwarzkopf, uh, Arnold Palmer, and Paul Newman, and other subgroups, um, they were on a national uh, program to find parents through their orthopedic surgeons and, and, and reconstructive surgeons who was in the most need and had uh, the, the least means to accommodate the um, surgeries to correct uh, birth defects for their children because the sooner you get on with that, the, the better quality of life they'll have. So we traveled and, and, and did a um, um, couple trips to the uh, Bogey Creek camp and met the parents uh, and the kids and the doctors and uh, mentored with them and we learned a lot. Um, other organizations would be, um, well, still in California, the uh, um, it's, um, mentoring for drugs and alcohol awareness for kids. Uh, that was kind of fun because I had a retired uh, CIA guy and a chief of police from Dade County, Florida, the same gentleman who 
actually booked Jim Larson the night of his Miami incident, uh, Richard Croom, really uh, great guys. And what they did was uh, uh, they had me, you know, uh, well, I, I, I was happy to go around to the fifth and sixth graders and talk to them about drugs and alcohol and, and peer pressure. But these kids are pretty, you know, they don't want to, they get bored right away. They're happy they're not doing a lesson, but they're also kind of like, uh, grown-ups going to tell me how to live my life. You know, I'm not too interested. And I know they're going to say drugs are bad and alcohol is bad. And, you know, I haven't even experimented yet. My parents drink and, you know, all those pressures. So I would, <laughs> I would get up in front of the class and sometimes there's uh, moms visiting the classroom and I would just write on the board, uh, let's say drugs are good. Well, now they're all paying attention, and I, I segue into the fact that uh, our body makes drugs, chemical compounds, you can call them drugs, you know, endorphin, adrenaline, serotonin, et cetera. So these, these, this is an you know, upper and a downer, something calms you, something gets you fight or flight, you know, can save your life if you, you know, act appropriately. So through all of these groups, uh, the thing that shined out the most was the, the honesty uh, to the approach. Uh, if they need a procedure or the honesty to uh, the approach of how to move forward in your life due to peer pressure and make wise choices. And, and um, uh, so that, that's kind of the overall uh, umbrella of uh, those, those groups. Well, end of the day, it sounds like, and of course I read this online because we know everything online is true. Sure. But it sounds like, and I've heard this other spots, but you just said it eloquently here, that end of the day, you want to try to leave this place a little better than when you came into it. That's for sure. Absolutely. But with the, we all been living with this whole lockdown and COVID, and me and Elena were actually just talking about this jokingly about what's going over on her side of the world and everything. But I heard with this downtime for a lot of us, you've been working on an autobiography. Is that true? That is true. I've had been uh, collecting my notes for the last year and a half. I'm at, uh, I was writing before we went on the air. Um, in the final, dra final version, I'm at page 108, 36,000 words. Uh, and it's, uh, it's a good read. Uh, Hope to have it done in the next uh, four, four to five weeks. Be finished. Have the word counts so the publishers, you know, the business aspect of it is, you know, it's got to be in chapter. It's got to be this font. It's got to be this. Got to be that. Well, what about the content? You know, so you know, I had to put on my big boy pants and just go, okay, okay. Uh, so uh, we'll get there to satisfy the publisher, and I'll send it off to my manager and. Actually, she has a publisher in England that she prefers. So, um, yes, it's a, it's a true story. Uh, it's it's uh, it's not all about making movies. I just mentioned uh, three three films at the at, toward the end of the story, uh, and a couple a couple TV episodes because I met some very influential people like Michael Landon and, and other people. Uh, that were significant in, in, in that, in that realm. Uh, I could always do a, a, a second book that details, uh, you know, like you take your IMDB list and go through every single credit. You know, uh, I find that, uh, I'll, it can be me, boring. 
to me, boring. <laughs> yeah. But uh, there's a lot of uh, segues and, and side stories uh, in, in all of those uh, situations that are really quite cool. You know? Well, I definitely want to bring up Michael Landon, but with the autobiography, since you said you're going through it and writing and doing everything. We can every- talk about Michael now, if you like. Okay. Well, I wanted to ask about the book one more question with that at least. Sure. And is that going through the process of writing everything and going back and editing and everything that goes into putting a book together that most people might not. Yeah, I I actually, uh, um, you know, I I had a couple, uh, uh, let's see, um, suggestions from my manager. And then, you know, you Google autobiography, you know, the, the, the general structure, but it, it's in chapter form and it starts from my very first earliest memory before I had skull surgery. And prior to that, yeah. you know, how my father was at Hiroshima and uh, as a Navy doctor. And, uh, you know, I've got pictures that will not be in the book of uh, shadows on some concrete walls, which used yeah. to be human beings. Uh, so I, I, I go through the, the, the earliest memories and conceptual uh, uh, construct of this young child, how he sees things differently than most people, even though a, a lot of uh, attitudes are, 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 are commonplace. But his perspective is, is different because his experiences are unique. And so it, it, it's, it's a book for the every man, every woman kind of story. It's not just for uh, movie geeks. Well, I think you answered that about the difficulty. Yeah, because we all we all have our uh, you know uh, work to do, and uh, we all roll up our sleeves. Sometimes you know uh, planned in preparation, and then other times life sends us a curveball, and we have to take the best swing at it we can. Well, I was a history major uh, through school, and still am to this day always reading so i thought it was cool when doing my homework for this is that your dad was a naval surgeon spent some time in japan post bombing and all that stuff but the other thing i thought was cool was not only your father but uh, your mother and sister and there's been other members of the family in the medical field correct so yeah i always thought that was pretty cool it is a great-grandfather from Germany, graduated from Heidelberg, Vienna, Madrid, moved to North Dakota before statehood. His neighbors were the Mayo brothers, and their father was their best fr- his, uh, his best friend. Uh, according to my nana, my grandmother, uh, she told me uh, the history of the family at that time. They were very close to the Native American tribe. Uh, when she came down with rheumatic fever, she couldn't, nothing would, would heal her. The uh, law of the land at the time was a, a Hippocratically, the, uh, if you're the father and you're a doctor, you have other doctors take care of your family members. And they finally said, uh, Sophie's not going to make it. All of our patent medicines, are, they're the best on the planet. They're not working. So he had them sign a document over to him to where, he took over her care and she was healed with natural remedies uh, because you know medicines all came from herbs and rocks and uh, minerals etc various compounds 
so the Hudson Bay Native Americans, uh, uh, their doctors uh, healed her. You know. Well, is would this be the same grandmother that I had heard in previous research that taught yes. you compassion? Yes, her name is Sophie. That's well, the one. Let, let's jump ahead a little bit here. Obviously, people know you from things like Hills Have Eyes and Weird Science and all the different well-known projects. But we do, I think anyway, we do have to show respect to a man named George Paul, who had actually found you when you were out and about in Southern California. Can you tell that story? Sure. I, I, uh, I had previous, previously uh, uh, left a university. Uh, my digits are useless to do procedures. I wanted to be a veterinarian. Uh, studied some medicine there, but you know, if you can't apply it, then move on to something else. In 1972, I left uh, San Luis Obispo, and uh, uh, a buddy of mine, uh, his house burnt down, so I went up with a friend from Berkeley, uh, and we, um, uh, we built his uh, two-story log home. And when I came back from Washington, I was in Venice Beach, and that's where I met George Powell. And I was getting ready to load up my four-wheel drive with supplies and what have you, and fill out paperwork to be a homesteader in Alaska. Um, I like a cool climate. I love the forest, and I thought that would work out for me. But when I bumped into George uh, uh, at a little antique store across the street from where I had a little little arty farty shop with a friend. He, uh, he said, well, you, you have a unique look. Uh, I, I'm doing a movie. Would you be interested? And I said, nah, you know, the last thing I want is more attention. I went through that in school being teased and having a thick skin and trying to just fit in it, uh, so I could function and take care of myself, you know, work and what have you. And he just said, here's my card. And then I looked at the card and it, it had his name and it rung a bell and I said, wow, you did War of the Worlds and some other cool movies and just smiled and nodded and he said, just be in my movie. It's a two-day job and you'll have a SAG card and 400 bucks and if anything becomes of this, uh, just promise me you'll tell people that I did discovered you in the classic Hollywood tradition. I've always kept that promise to George. Exactly. Well, you mentioned the veterinary science. Did you actually finish that degree, or no? I uh, I had uh, two years. Um, I had about two hundred units when I left college. Ran out of money. <laughs> uh, you know, the country was at war. I had a uh, my draft number was twelve, but um, so I did ROTC for two years. Uh, uh, I was an Eagle Scout. Uh, my family, uh, we were. Um, Target shooters. I uh, was reloading at 12 years old, probably. Um, I have a healthy respect for uh, uh, those types of skills. Uh, but I did study history also. And um, I would study the history from both sides of the conflict, for instance. And what you hear on one side isn't always the full truth. I, I know people that... Um, well, I knew people that did not wear uniforms and worked for the CIA, and they were in places like Thailand, Laos, and Cambodia, and they, they, they told the truth when we had lunch. And I just knew that that was a very heavily um, 
there's a lot of oil in that part of the world. Um, I studied a lot of science throughout, throughout my life. And there are ways to turn a light bulb on. There are ways to have water come out of a faucet. There are ways to um, not pollute the entire ocean. I've met people that worked with Cousteau and um, uh, uh, I was a member uh, of uh, Smithsonian where you would get uh, a little booklet every month called Sea Secrets and, and I used to be a scuba diver and uh, the, the beauty of nature uh, without having it being you know, turned into a trash pile by humans uh, it's pretty blessed. It's a gift and we don't respect it so um, it, it's, it's, it's shameful to me and it, it, it bothers me that we have quote grown-ups in charge that don't care about uh, uh, the upcoming generations and they have no shame. Um, so long story short, I, uh, I said, there's no way in hell I'm going to go uh, pick up, a, uh, you know, pick up a gun and go kill somebody and, you know, for the oil companies, you know, the, the idea of communism, socialism, you know, people don't under, they, they don't know the definition of the words. They don't, it's different every zip code. They don't understand, they just don't understand. So they go for the uh, myopic view of, uh, uh, shop the monkey, uh, you know, uh, follow, you know, being a follower, I think people should be individuals and um, listen to both sides before they, you know, jump into a situation. So uh, the army and its brilliance one day said that we had to wear wool uniforms and because there was a, an IG inspection for the juniors and seniors who were going to get their commission. Okay, big book. Well, it was 102 degrees out that day, so I almost died from heat stroke. And then they go, oh, well, we can't use you in this war, but if there's a war in Antarctica, we'll call you up. And I just said, <laughs> yeah. uh, no, see you later. I got other stuff to do. And, and they got rid of the draft, which was uh, a good thing. Um, actually, was good friends with Bob Dylan um, and other people in that realm. Um, Masters of War is a very uh, interesting song. I, um, Eve of Destruction by, uh, um, um, well, he was in the Christie Minstrels, Barry McGuire. Uh, oh, and then there's another one called uh, Fixing to Die by Country Joe and the Fish. Those are all three interesting um, song titles because they're not pop tunes. They're, they're to you know, enlighten you. Um, my I'll just cut to the chase. My idea of war, if you have to have a fight, you take the, a leader from one side, leader on the other side, and you put them in a cage with rocks and bottles and bricks, and we sit down and have a cold one and go, what a bunch of idiots, and watch them go for it. You know? Stupid unless, you know, and a lot of people used to say, oh, hippies, you know, they're cowards. No, you get somebody in a corner, even something, someone who's shy, you know, they're going to turn around and bite you if you push hard enough. So maybe we should try other, other ways to behave. Exactly. Uh, we were actually uh, talking about that uh, before you came on, me and Elena, uh, as far as grown-ups in a room, <laughs> that's for sure. But Yeah, you, right. <laughs> Where are they? <laughs> yeah. Elena, what do you have uh, yeah. for me? I do, actually. Um, I'm a big fan of Wes Craven, Michael, and uh, I was just wondering, could you tell me about the Hills of Eyes or any memories or things that really, you know, stood out to you working on that? Well, I had a, 
it was one of my earlier films. I had a meeting at Culver Studios, and I met. Uh, well, it was, it was another studio, but anyway, I met Peter Lockberry, Con, and uh, uh, Wes. And you know, Wes is a real quiet, uh, uh, educated fellow. He used to be a, a college professor, I believe. And he explained the backstory of the McBean family, and uh, the, the the deeper thread, of course, is. Uh, uh, the white bread family versus the cannibal family is a challenge, but it was it bears credence to what we were just talking about. You know, push comes to shove, uh, we we do revert to uh, uh, survival mode. And that was one of his themes. So uh, it remind it reminds me of the uh, glaring question and obvious answer of. Uh, how close, you know, how close are we to uh, behaving in a certain manner that's quote uncivilized? Uh, it, it also reminds me of when Jack Nicholson in Cuckoo's Nest is is, is saying, uh, uh, talking to the to the chronics, the patients, and saying, you know, they're looking at the at the cards with you know. Uh, the player cards with uh, pretty women on it and, and uh, uh, Martini uh, is uh, go is laughing and giggling and like like little children and he goes he goes Jack goes off and he says what he says stop it you know you're you're no different than the average asshole on the street you know what 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 is that fine line where, where we break through and then we're viewed in a different manner yeah. And I think Wes had that philosophy uh, in, in all of his writings. You know, it's very humbling in a way, but hard to believe it's been almost five years or just over five years since we lost Wes. Yeah. That's for sure. But we were actually talking about Michael Landon earlier. And the reason I got a kick out of Michael was he where I'm from in the Northeast, he actually went to the same synagogue as my mom and her siblings. And at the time, Michael was a pretty big star or just up and coming. And he actually came back to visit the school and all that stuff when my mom and all were there. So I thought that was kind of cool. So I always remembered him for staying humble. Well, he was a very grounded individual. I did two episodes of Highway with Michael. And he was one of the first producers that I ever saw that hired on a regular basis a, a contract player that had uh, obvious uh, disabilities. Uh, uh, matter of fact, uh, I forget the gentleman's name. But I think he was, I want to say wheelchair, I'm not sure. But he was a regular and when uh, I actually met him once at uh, one of those meetings uh, in Los Angeles about there was a conference for uh, actors uh, working in film and television with disabilities. And he was there and he gave a great presentation. So when I worked with Michael on the first episode of Highway to Heaven, he was very, very professional and very, uh, hang on just a second. Sure. Just a second. Yes, Judy. 
Thank you. I'm on Zoom right. I'm on Zoom right now. Okay. Uh, okay. Okay. I will. Bye. Bye. That's Judy. Judy That's doing a run in. <laughs> yeah, she is. So, um, I, I had the scene with uh, Anthony Zerbe and uh, Victor French and Michael as the devil and I'm conveying, you know, the contract and how that all works. And I was just, I, I learned that you do your close, the camera's on you, then they go wide, then they go reverse, and then, and so you, you're repeating the same action in the same scene over and over again for, from different perspectives. And we we're going through one of the takes, and all of a sudden, you know, Michael has his line, Victor has his line, Anthony has his, and I'm going, in my head, I'm going, okay, and then I say, and my mind went blank, just went flat out blank. And after a few beats of silence, Michael just says, cut. And the second he said, cut, the script lady had the script in front of me with her uh, ruler underneath my line, and she gave the preparatory line. And I go, yeah, yeah, right, that's it. Okay, one more time. Yeah, got it, got it. Uh, Michael says, okay, uh, let's do it. Uh, we nailed it. Great, moving on. So we're moving on to another setup. We're walking across the, the studio. Michael comes up to me and taps me on the shoulder, and he goes, um, it's all right. We all forget our lines once in a while. But the way he said it, uh, I interpreted it as you should never <laughs> forget your lines. And he kind of laughed a little bit. And I didn't say that, but I'm going, wow, well, you know, I, I recalled it real quickly. And then he said, uh, no, no foul. He said, uh, I not what I said, but I also only wanted to know I only hire people that are well qualified and do a good job. And you're doing a fine job. And the reason he said is ever since, you know, uh, Bonanza, et cetera, he, he said, I like to have my my crew members, especially my crew members who work with me every, all the time, and my, and my cast. I want them to be able to sit down and have dinner with their family, you know, kind of get get from the studio to their home before the L.A. traffic snarls them and they can ha have family time. So he was a very conscientious individual. And uh, um, I remember one time... Uh, <laughs> I had a buddy who was trying to start up a cable TV network called the Global Good News Network. Nothing but good news. And we went to, I went with him to a, to a meeting and, <laughs> and um, um, yeah, this is, goodbye. Uh, no, I'm not. Goodbye. Have a nice day. Stay safe. Robocop. Um, so, I just, phone rings, I pick it up. I don't know what I'm saying. Um, so, uh, I lost my train of thought. Where was I? You were talking about uh, Michael and just being conscientious of things. Yeah. Um, Yes, so he, like I said, he would, he would like to have his, uh, everybody home for dinner. Um, and then, uh, oh, yes, uh, a friend of mine, uh, we went to a, a, an office, uh, uh, very important people 
production company, and my friend wanted to do a, a, an online show called the Global Good News Network, everything but right. good news. And he and he had a, you know, he had presentation material the whole nine yards. So one of these suits, you know, puts his hands behind his back, you know, leans back, and he goes, "What kind of sugar-coated Pollyanna Michael Landon crap is this? Nobody wants to watch that." And I looked at my friend. I realized, that, you know, they're not going to go forward with the project. So I said, "Well, can I answer his question?" And I just said, uh, "Have you ever met Michael Landon?" Well, no. I said, "Okay." You ever been to a convention or talked to the people to watch television? Well, where, where are you going with this? I said, I, I meet tens of thousands of people every year. And when I was, was you know, promoting this project, every single person said, I would watch that all the time. You know, that's before the internet and, and all of that. And, and so I, I said, you're missing out on a great opportunity. You know, we'll walk out the door, you'll probably laugh at it, you know. If it, if it doesn't bleed, it doesn't lead. I mean, I, I said, you have a, you have a very small, um, you're very small minded, you know, but uh, people want, people want to be inspired. You can watch the news and be bummed out, you know, especially these days. I mean, we're a week away from the end of our, the end of our country. If, if it goes in the wrong direction, I guarantee you that would be a dictatorship. That's just my non-humble opinion. You know, it's just so blatantly obvious. I have friends that, you know, vote for the hat and they don't wear masks, they have no respect, and they, they think they just don't, you know, I'm going to be on an airplane tomorrow and I've got a full face mask with the canisters and, uh, and glasses to keep the COVID from going into my eyeball and killing me, getting me sick, you know, bringing it home to my family, you know, so, um, yeah, well, we have to we have to be like uh, an angel. We have to be like Michael Landon. We have to be like uh, um, Brandon Lee, Paul Newman, people that fight the good fight. Uh, uh, Cheryl Ladd, I mean, Queen Latifah. These are all wonderful people that I've met that actually give back to the world and society and try to raise up our consciousness and have people process through the heart instead of the wallet or, or, or fear. You know, uh, fear-based decisions are the worst decisions you, you can make. And uh, that's how the puppet masters, they use those strings to attach to your fear base. And that's how they control you, and, you know, pit us against one another. It's been going on for centuries. And, you know, the innocence of children, you know, uh, out of the mouths of babes, you know, maybe we should listen to them more often. Trust me, I hear that all the time from a particular three-and-a-half-year-old. Uh, and it's scary. And uh, no, no, he's absolutely right. But it goes back to what I said earlier to you that end of the day, you want to try to lead this place a little better than what you came into, but also it's a good plan. Yeah. uh, Yes. But uh, also that whether we agree with one another with stuff, I think the key thing is, and you just said it there when you were uh, speaking, let's at least respect each other. Yeah. Yeah. You don't, you don't ridicule somebody uh, 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 who's got cerebral palsy and, and you don't, you don't uh, uh, salute people uh, uh, running around with, uh, with, with guns. What is the point of that? Really? You know, it's, it's, um, 
It's wrong. I, I was a security guard. I took uh, uh, classes from LAPD and uh, I see behavior that uh, what I learned would have you arrested and this is a, a good thing. I'm sorry. Intimidation is wrong and uh, you'll never convince me that it's right. You know, um, uh, well, you know, it's just not They're very fine people on both sides. Yeah, right. Yeah, I'm sorry. Oh, not, sorry. not Nazis and Klan's members are not good people. If you don't like it, then, you know, that's too bad. Yes. It's true. They hurt people. Yeah. Well, I want to let Elena wrap up here. I know yeah, she had an, Yeah, I, I know she had another question here. Before sure. we, we go ahead. I did. I just wanted to say, Michael, uh, I know you're um, specifically known for particular roles like in Over the Cuckoo's Nest or The Hill Divides, but I just wanted to ask you personally, do you have a favorite role that you've done or even, you know, like on a little TV show or does anything stick out to you as being like, I really, really loved this experience? Sure. Um, there's, there's a very obscure film you can buy all day long online for 10 bucks. It's called The Evil Within. It's a recent, well, I did a couple years ago. Andrew Getty is only film. He passed away after post-production. Um, it, it's just, uh, I mentioned it because he was my buddy. He had issues, but uh, um, very interesting film, cinematography, yeah, with regards to the camera. Um, as far as role, um, The, the well, our scenes were cut out in the crow. I mean, we didn't get the chance to finish them. But probably one of my favorite uh, ones was um, uh, let me see. Well, humor-wise, smoking in the boys' room with the with the Motley Crew was just delightfully fun. Um, weird science. I got that. I used a little humor. Did a shout out to my friend Red Skelton. Uh, you know. Uh, God bless. He used to, I, I, we knew him. We used to hang out at the house when I was kids. He would always say that at the end of his show. Um, uh, let's see. There's a, oh, um, I'm trying to think to remember the name of the title. Where they think I'm, I, I'm the bad guy, but I'm really a girl in the X-Files. It's probably That's my awesome. most proud. It was the last time I ever had to audition. And the reason that it means so much to me is because prior to doing the X-Files, I had a friend who was murdered. And there was a lot of pain uh, due to that. It's in my book, the details. And she was a beautiful soul and uh, um, needed some healing. So, and there was a previous situation where um, some bad things happened to some some kids, and uh, mother and I we did our very best. Even had people with uh, badges uh, trying to protect these kids. And there was somebody involved in the system that could pull rank and made decisions beyond everybody's uh, wishes and. Um, some bad things happen, and the system uh, let us down, and that was painful. So trying to be a protector, doing the very best you can, uh, uh, one step away from just 
you know, literally putting your life on the line. Uh, we tried, we tried the best we could. Anyway, how do you heal from those types of situations? And the way it was when I had an audition for X-Files and they think he's a bad guy and he actually gives his life as a guardian angel to save the life of the boy. I told Chris Carter and uh, David Nutter, our uh, director, I said, I'm the one you want and let's do, let's do this scene and I'll convince you. And I did and uh, went on to, to do that role and played very well. So that's the one I'm most proud of because it uh, uh, allowed me to heal. It also allowed me to take that energy and that angst and that experience of from real life grit um, and put it into the character. So there's your answer. Well, Michael. Thank you for that, Michael. We look forward to seeing the book in a couple months and we hope I, you stay safe. Uh, I will, uh, on, if you go to uh, I have a website, michaelberryman.com, and I have my Facebook page. And when, it, uh, when it's ready to be uh, available, uh, I will let the home, you'll know. <laughs> well, Michael, thank you so much. My pleasure. Stay safe. With over 30 years of experience and a superb reputation for being a detail-oriented company, Lacey Cleaning has some of the highest work standards in the cleaning business. That's the fact, Jack! Whether it's carpet cleaning, tile, grout cleaning, new construction cleanup, rental turnovers, vent and duct cleaning, odor elimination, office and or business cleaning, power washing, residential cleaning, you name it, they do it. Check them out to contact them today, LaceyCleaning at gmail.com or call them at 609-709-8536. That's what I'm talking about.